Welcome to 1991 Movie Rewind, a podcast where we watch and review every movie released in 1991, from the all-time greatest classics to the critically panned and everything in between. We will rediscover forgotten fan favorites and uncover hidden gems as we explore the depths of direct-to-video. Join us in our celebration of the fun, unique, and diverse films of this highly underrated year. This week, we watch Double Impact. This is John, and thank you for joining us on 1991 Movie Rewind. So to summarize Double Impact, in the movie, twin boys Chad and Alex are separated as babies when their parents are victims of a double-crossing businessman and are murdered by the triad in a bloody shootout. Now, 25 years later, Chad, played by Jean-Claude Van Damme, flies from his current home in L.A. to meet up with Alex, played by Jean-Claude Van Damme, in Hong Kong, so they can team up and take down the bad guys and avenge their parents' death. Screenplay by Sheldon Ledich and Jean-Claude Van Damme, directed by Sheldon Ledich, and released on August 9th, 1991. So have you seen Double Impact before? Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say no, but I did grow up watching... A lot of Jean-Claude Van Damme, because going to my dad's house, he would always rent his movies. Yeah. And I just remember seeing them, and I kind—I thought I saw this, but watching it just now, I did not see this. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm just going to go ahead and say no. You're getting confused with all the other times that Jean-Claude yeah, they Van Damme all, played they all kind of com- double roles. <laughs> yeah, they all combine into one big movie, in, in my mind. Yeah, uh, yeah, I have not seen it either. Uh, action movies were not huge in our household. We didn't rent a lot of those. We went for like the screwball comedies more than anything. So, yeah, that's a very big blind spot in my movie-watching history or action films of this era. So... I know that, like, last year we also watched, like, Bloodsport together, mm-hmm. and that was the first time I had ever seen that, too, was last year, so. A lot of, and Predator, too. Like, so, like, a lot of classics that I uh, right, just right. missed out on that uh, hopefully we can catch up on a couple throughout this podcast. So what did you think as a first-time viewer, then? Of, I mean, it was fine. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> How impactful was it? Um... You know, the the fight scenes were fine. Just, you know, the acting and the plot was, you know, a typical, you know, avenging parents' death mm-hmm. type of plot. Yeah. Which, I mean, we've seen avenging-type movies before. Yeah, we've already seen sort of, well, I don't know if it... Or revenge Yeah, type avenge, movie. revenge whatever getting even whatever you want to call it yeah We've seen some of that already with the podcast and we're going to see more right um yeah i thought the action was interesting in that it focused a lot more on gunplay than what i was anticipating with this one right because i mean john club van damme is known for his martial arts and his flexibility mm-hmm. and um, yeah when i was reading up about this there was an LA Times 
article that I came across where he said he wanted to break away from the martial arts movie genre because that's what he's mostly known for around this time. And he hoped to play this dual role to, you know, change his image, I guess, be more action than straight martial arts person. Yeah. And, um, I mean, sure. I mean, he, he still did some martial arts with one of the brothers being the, the teacher for, uh, I guess he was teaching either karate or martial arts or whatever he was teaching at a, was, at the studio. He was teaching something. <laughs> yeah, to women. Yeah, it, tough to really say from the opening scene, right? Uh, where we see him as a an adult, because um, that's basically where he's okay. So we fast forward twenty five years in the future, where they're now adult brothers, and the first shot we see of Chad, who is the LA brother, is him is of a student of a female student of his laying down on the floor and like sort of like spreading her legs and like, mm-hmm. you know, moaning back and moaning in ecstasy. And, and, uh, it makes you think something's happening. He's but down there stretching her out, so to speak, I guess. Like in a physical therapist type yeah. of way, yeah. not anything sexual. Yeah. And then there's a group of, yeah, there's a group of women on the floor that as are well, staring sort of down like, at her moaning and him stretching her. And then they're also kind of moaning in a way they're like, Oh, I wish he can do very, that to me yeah, type of thing. Longing. Um, but yeah, I guess he's like some sort of like dance or karate or both because he beats up some karate teacher in like the next scene before it gets into the main plot. Mm-hmm. part so yeah there there is definitely still some in there but there's a lot of a lot of more guns than i would have anticipated some machine gun stuff and bombs and explosions all over the place and um that's that's fine i mean i guess i understand where he's coming from that he wanted to branch out i don't think it's necessary for him as much i think it probably would have been just as fine to brand himself just based off of his personality rather than, you know, try to be just an, another generic action guy. And, and he probably, I mean, he does that to a degree where he's all of the stuff that's done in this movie is basically tongue, tongue in cheek. You know, he's not yeah. really taking things too seriously and he's doing everything with sort of like a wink and a smile. And he knows that the acting is bad. He knows that the plot is probably not the greatest you know, it's not like Vin yeah, Diesel he's just, or something where he's yeah, like... Yeah, he just wants to have fun going. and make a movie. And, I yeah. mean, it did well, so... Yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> you know, number 45 of the year for box office. It got $30 million off of a $15 million budget, so it did all right. Um, yeah, I mean, he's not, like, trying to be like Vin Diesel where he's saying, like, the Fast and the Furious movie is going to win Academy Awards or whatever. Mm, yeah. <laughs> so um, he, he knows what he's about, and, you know, I think... The idea of doing like all this action with the smile and not trying to be super serious is what sets him apart. I don't think he needs to resort to all, you know, as much gun stuff. You know, take advantage of your body and your abilities while you still have the ability to do so. And then 10 years down the line, when you're less flexible, then maybe start to transition more to the guns. That's That would have been my suggestion. But I, get, I mean, that's kind of what he's sort of doing now. Yeah. With the Expendables, and I mean, I've never watched the Expendables, but I'm assuming it's just a bunch of dudes 
doing action stuff. Like, yeah, yeah, it's it's a lot of the older action stars. Yeah, know, yeah. Like saying, yeah, look, we still have we still have worth, and I've never seen any of them either, but they all seem interesting at least. Mm-hmm. Um. So I would have preferred less gunplay because I think some of the gunplay that was in there was pretty cheesy. Like they're you know holding two guns at once and like rolling around on the right, floor I think like a little just, kid. Yeah. <laughs> and so it, it got a little weird. In I that think that's way. just them, you know having the ability to do like we got guns let's do all the tricks yeah and then yeah just a bunch of explosions too like every other scene has some sort of an explosion which is not a problem for me i mean that, or, i know, mean yeah it's an action movie and you want i think it did a really good job of balancing the action in the plot like there wasn't too many times where um you were waiting for fights to happen whether they're you know karate or, or otherwise or right, yeah otherwise. it immediately starts with action yeah yeah that's true <laughs> yeah so the opening scene is basically um when chad and alex are babies they are in hong kong with their parents who have just opened up the uh it's a tunnel yeah it's the tunnel and victoria harbor tunnel grand opening which is basically going to connect um basically goes under underwater to connect to ports of land or whatever um, yeah, for shipping or whatever to make shipping things easy, and commerce easier. and just yeah, just normal, whatever. Um, and their dad uh, had helped build this tunnel, and then after that happens, um, you quickly get into like a car chase because the dad is being chased by some gang members, the triad people, um, and then it, you know they go back to their house. Where they're meted, they're greeted, <laughs> meted. Yeah. Where they are greeted by a bunch more thugs uh, with guns, and there's like a big old firefight. Uh, but why would you return to your home if you knew you were being followed? I don't. Yeah, understand. I mean that's they could have. I mean, who whoever who was their driver? I mean, no, they, he was driving himself. Oh, okay, okay. But Frank, I that- Frank, who uh, grows up with Chad, mm-hmm. right? he he escapes with Chad. We'll get to that in a second. He escapes with Chad, but Fred, uh, Frank is there in another car. He was supposed to be the bodyguard, and the dad says, you can have the night off. We're, we know how to find our way home. But then he's like, somebody's following us, Frank. And Frank's like, I'll be right there. Just, you know, stay where you are or whatever. It's like, if you know that help is on the way, to and you stay know there, someone's following you. To not go home. Don't just go home. Yeah, you can just drive <laughs> just around the block yet. a few yeah. times. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. Just, you know, drive around the city a little bit more. Okay, so it was the mom and the nanny babysitter woman with the babies in the back. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, dad and mom in the front, nanny with the two babies in the back, Frank in another car, and then a bunch of uh, gang members... Uh, following at their them, house yeah. and in their driveway. And then they, you know... Have a huge firefight right away. Like, extremely violent. <laughs> extremely violent. It's extremely probably the gory. most violent fight. Yeah. Or graphic, I should say. Yeah. Because they shoot faces off and you see brain splatter. <laughs> yeah, you see, like, chunks of flesh fly out. It was, it was really an interesting way to open the movie. And I kind of get you, a, you know... Let you know, hey, this is we're taking advantage of the R rating here. This is this is gonna yeah, be yeah. This is a, a for sure R. Yeah. There's no PG thirteen. Yeah. No no ambiguity about it uh-huh. whatsoever. 
so yeah, that that all happens, and everyone's mowed down, and then one of the gang members, you know, they're they're trying to get at the babies as well, because evidently it's all business oriented, and you know, if the babies live, then their financial stake yeah. in this tunnel may be ruined or something, which you know, I guess we find out later, but. And the mom's like, what's going to happen to my babies? And the gang member's like, you'll never know. And he shoots her dead. Yeah. <laughs> so. That was a brutal. I don't know. That was pretty brutal. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it gets uh, it gets heavy in, in the start, but then it kind of lightens up a little bit. Uh, but the nanny's able to escape with one of the kid. Um, yeah, that. I, uh, I mean, how come they didn't go after her? That's, I mean. Well, Frank, I know Frank, Frank had arrived. By Frank them. arrived, and, and he's you know, able to like he's, shoot them back. Yeah, he shot the one guy, Bolo Young Moon. Yeah. Bolo Young, who plays Moon in this movie. Although I don't even know if they even say the word Moon. I don't remember him Maybe having once. a name. Yeah, but anyway, he gets shot in the face, and I was like, "Oh no!" He's like, I was happy that he was in the movie. I'm like, "Wait a minute! They're gonna kill him off right away?" Right, because Bolo Young is, you know, the antagonist. In Bloodsport. Yeah, he's he's the main bad guy in Bloodsport, and so he gets... He's returned again with Jean-Claude. He's pairing up. And so it was cool to see him uh, make a return in this, but then he gets shot right in the face. Um, right. And so I guess enough of the people had died um, or had been and injured. Then, and yeah, the nanny just runs off, and they up. don't even bother to look, look <laughs> for yeah. the babies after that. Uh, no, they don't. Because <laughs> Frank hightails it out of there with one of them. Right. And, like, immediately finds a way out of the country. The nanny just straight up runs all night because it's nighttime when the shooting is happening. And then, like, they show Next in the daytime. Morning, yeah. Uh, she drops the kid off at a French orphanage in Hong Kong. Alex, yes. Drops Alex there um, and without any sort of note or whatever. But so. he grows up and has the name Alex. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> so they establish in the movie that that kid's name is Alex. And then when he's grown up, even though he's dropped on the front door without any sort of note or paper or anything. I mean, they could have had raised. a talk. <laughs> She's like, his name is Alex, and goodbye. Yeah. Um, but they don't show that, and so. To a French orphanage. To because, a French orphanage in Hong Kong. in Hong Kong, because, you know, Jean-Claude Van Damme. Cannot do another accent. Yeah, he he has to have some sort He's of like French Arnold, or like if background. I were to try to act, you know act in a foreign language or something, I could not do. Yeah, I'd be yeah. So he's I can't like, even I do a British <laughs> accent. So it's like I'm not gonna pretend. He's to try. like, I'm not gonna speak English or you know American <laughs> English yeah. well. So yeah. you got to give me a French storyline, just I'm like not in gonna Bloodsport. Pretend to have any sort of like you know Hong Kong you know accent either for you know, right. So, yes. So French grew- orphanage in uh-huh. Hong Kong to explain the accent away. And then Chad gets his accent explained away. Because, you know, they don't question that when they meet. I mean, they're just... <laughs> they're like, they're, oh, they yeah, bo- you're my brother. You talk bo- exactly like me. Oh, you must have had the same... Did you also study French? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they should have mentioned that. They should have. They'd be like, oh, you have a French accent like me. Yeah, that would have been funny. Uh, yeah, he should have, I mean, if he was, like, a really good actor, <laughs> he could have had one brother speaking, you know, the French accent, and the other one could have been the American, you know, because yeah. you know, Chad cool. grew up or lived in L.A., he could have been, like, yo, bro, like, you know, yeah. the L.A. That could have been surfer-type scene or whatever. But they didn't. 
That would have been funny. Uh, uh, yeah, that would have been cool. Uh, but instead, <clears> they explained <throat> Chad's accent away by saying that Frank and Chad uh, grew up in France and then moved to America later mm-hmm. on in his adult life. So that's where he got his accent from. So at least they had the peace of mind to, to write include that, that in French, the script. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that was interesting. Um, but yeah, the bloody opening gets you in the mood. Um, and then plot hole again where Frank and Chad have to go to Hong Kong now because Frank has hired some sort of like detective I don't know, like, mm-hmm. I don't know, PI or whatever, to locate Alex to find out if he is alive. And once he learns that Alex is alive, they go to Hong Kong to meet him. But he doesn't tell Chad. Right. And he doesn't tell Chad why they're going. Doesn't tell him that he has a twin brother. Doesn't tell him the financial incentive for going in that they're in, you know, they have the ability to inherit the proceeds from this tunnel or profits or whatever it is. Doesn't tell him any of that. He just lets him figure it out on his own when they get to Hong Kong. And they go to Alex's seedy gambling parlor that he owns or whatever. And, you know, Chad is getting mistaken for him left and right. Mm Mm-hmm. People are giving him money, you know, free drinks. Yeah. The girlfriend walks in. The girlfriend mistakes him for Alex. And she just gives him the... A once-over look and says, you know, very nice. Yeah, <laughs> and they're about to get down to business. Yeah, and then she just <laughs> says, follow me into the back room. And Frank is like, go ahead. I mean, he's yeah. just he's just <laughs> standing there allowing all of these things to happen. And Chad's like, oh, this is a pretty Chad's cool like, place. I like Hong Kong. Yeah. Yeah, this is a cool place. So I don't understand why you didn't explain that. I also don't understand that why they needed Alex to get the financial stake you'd think that having you know like one blood heir would be enough i don't know unless there's some weird living will that the parents (laughs) made before they died but i'm i have no idea if there's some contract and you know our children will inherit this right but if there's only one child yeah it's split no one gets anything (laughs) yeah i can't imagine um, also, I don't think that the inheritance stuff works that way. I don't think they'd probably be entitled to any of the business just because of, you know, one, they're clearly dealing with a shady businessman who stabbed his partner in the back and literally shot him, right? So um, they're not going to honor any sort of contract and be like, oh, yeah, you're going to have half the money from this tunnel now since you're alive, mm-hmm. you know? So whatever, that's just plot. And the plot's really not that important in this movie. All right. It just gets you from, you know, shootout to boat shootout to drug warehouse shootout to climax club shootout to boatyard shootout slash karate fight and yeah. all that kind of stuff. So um, it's just it's just kind of fun to kind of pick on the the nuances of the poor planning and poor script writing. Um, I will say this as well about the action is that I wanted them to share time as dual roles a lot more than they did. Yeah, they didn't show them together as much, which I understand because, you know, 
Jean Claude would have to they would have to do some serious um I don't know, like, graphics work, like green yeah. screening or something. Yeah. For him to be beside himself. They they only had that one scene where they were fighting each other. Right. But it was kind of like camera focusing on one or the other brother, not really or if it was on the both of them, it was kind of far away. Yeah, exactly. They they it did a lot of camera tricks where yeah. you know you see the back of someone's head and Jean Claude hitting it and then the showing the other brother him hitting that. Yeah. Uh, so they did a lot of that. They had a couple dialogue scenes where they're both in the frame at the same time with obvious green screen. But I really wish there would have been a little bit where, you know, they're sort of like back to back and like getting ready to fight like the thugs or something, especially mm. at the climax. That would have yeah, been really they, cool. Yeah, they split off and, you know, Alex is like, I'll take care of this guy if you take yeah, care of the other you take the other guy because there's two main villains, right? There's the double-crossing businessman, Nigel Griffith, and then there's the, the triad leader, Raymond Zhang, and... So conveniently, they have two big baddies that they have to go after who are old men at this point. They're also 25 years older. And they're right. full Which on grown ass adults. They, they look the same. At the time of the I mean, initial murders. Back so. when they were killing the parents or following the parents, they looked exactly the same age. So <laughs> it's like, here, you take this 60 to 70 year old guy. Yeah. I'll take this other 60 to 70 year old guy. Split up. Let's go. Plus he had, you know, um, Kara, the the strong woman. Yeah, there's a bunch of, like, mini-bosses. Yeah, because yeah, it's, yeah. like, video game-ish in a way, yeah. yeah. Not not enough of a video game in that way. Like, I wish that there would have been, like, levels, as it were. Because they have some interesting characters. They definitely have some video game-ish type of bosses, right? So you have... Uh, Kara that you mentioned is, you know, like this Amazonian type of bodybuilder um, who runs security for Griffith's office. Um, you have Moon, who is, you know, if you've seen Bolo Young, especially in, in these days, he's just, you know, a big, wide, you know, power lifter type of guy uh, who also specializes in martial arts. You have this big, thick-necked white dude with a mullet you have you have the dude with the spurs yeah on his you have this one guy who does boots. karate and he has spurs on his boots and he slashes a dude's throat with the spurs yeah so you have like some interesting cool characters and there's enough action scenes where you could have maybe like taken out like one or two of them earlier in the movie to sort of like act as like you know hey i beat this level you know if you want to sort of like treat it in video game terms. I think that would have been interesting to to handle it that way. Instead, they're all kind of lumped together at the end in the final confrontation right. inside the the boat. It's like they were... I think I even read that they were trying to sort of be like Double Dragon, the video game, in a way. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, they have some of the similar characteristics with like a Bobo and Linda and some of those other little minor characters in there. I think that makes sense. And plus, you know, you have the two brothers who are sort of different. Fighting side by side. Yeah. Sort of. <laughs> yeah, sort of side by side, sort of not. Got the Bimmy and Jimmy. Um, 
So yeah, I wish they would have fought together instead of basically saying, you cover me, I'll go do this. Or you split up and go that way, I'll go this way. Um, but yeah, you don't really get to see them fighting together unless they're fighting each other in that one scene about two-thirds of the way through the movie where they have a, a brother fight because Alex is extremely jealous of some imaginary thing that he thought that Chad had done with his girlfriend. Right. So He's just, throughout the movie, pretty much, after he catches Chad with his girlfriend in the back of that bar, he's yeah, just... Danielle is the name of the girlfriend. Mm-hmm. I guess we can mention her by yeah. name. Yeah. <laughs> Played by Alana Shaw, but mm-hmm. she has very little acting credits from when I was trying to look it up. Yeah, she did not do a whole lot. But yeah, she... Alex goes in the back. After Alex finds Chad with Danielle, I mean they didn't. They weren't doing anything. She was just. They were I gonna. Think she, they were think. about to. <laughs> but no one then, knew the about the brother existing. Right, and then Alex headbutts him. Yeah. And then throughout the after that, throughout that entire movie, he's just thinking that. They're Chad gonna, and Danielle are going to go they're behind gonna get, his back. Yeah, they're going to go behind his back and hook up and be together. Yeah. Which, that isn't their intention. No. There is a huge, long fantasy scene where that does happen well, yeah, in Alex's he, mind, and he gets drunker, and that leads to the brother fight. <laughs> but Yeah, he goes off and gets really drunk yeah. and has this very weird fantasy in his head where it's, Chad and Danielle having sex, like, in a laundry room type of thing. Yeah, I think it's supposed to be, like, the bottom of that boat. Oh, okay. Because they... um, I just see hanging Because they're together alone, because Danielle has some dirt on her boss, because she works for Nigel Griffith, the the backstabbing businessman. Mm -hmm. And she found some dirt on him. Can't get a hold of Alex, could get a hold of Chad, and so Chad and Danielle escape on this boat to talk about it or go do something or whatever that they need to do. And so they're both gone together. Alex learns this and just, you know, imagines them in in there. But part of what leads up to that is that Danielle either... Oh, they're being chased on those boats by the thugs. Mm -hmm. And they had to jump in the water. And so she had to get out of her wet clothes. And so she was like, you know, naked. (laughs) In the bottom of this boat that they escaped in, and somehow Alex was fantasizing about this scenario where he knew that they were in the bottom of this boat with the, you know, the clotheslines and whatnot. Yeah, it, was, it just looked like they were Fancy bouncing lighting. up and down. They were bouncing up and down. On, yes. on clotheslines, though. <laughs> yes. And I read something. <laughs> this yeah. is kind of funny. When Oliver Stone met Jean-Claude Van Damme to discuss... Uh, possibility of Van Damme playing the role of Alexander the Great in Stone's Alexander movie. Okay. He told Van Damme that his favorite scene in Double Impact was that sex scene. (laughs) All right. So, (laughs) I mean, (laughs) so did I'm assuming, I mean, Van Damme did write part of this movie with Ledditch, so, I mean, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there's not much writing to be done. It's like show 
show boobs. Sex. I yeah, don't know. Show, show, show simulated them sex, sex with topless woman in you know from the waist up with soft blue and orange lighting, and then cut to this abandoned hotel that they're using as a hideout, and Alex drinking from a bottle of whiskey or whatever that is that he's drinking and rinse and repeat for five minutes and there's your scene oh yeah so so we got onto that tangent yeah, yeah. because of the whole brother thing right um so they don't really fight a whole lot together but they are different characters aren't they yes one alex is the quote-unquote bad guy yeah, or he's, he's the, the bad boy the tough one yeah because his hair is slicked back and he always has a cigar in his mouth and he has like the leather coat and he's you know obviously running a gambling parlor and whatnot yeah. uh, and he also has a big bump on the side of his head from where he headbutted chad in the first scene and that sticks with him throughout yeah, most of the scenes in the movie continuity i, I guess <laughs> i think they forget to add it in a couple shots but yeah that was a pretty nice touch that they kept that in there the whole time so that's a way to tell them apart if it's the hair the cigar the yeah jacket, it's very hard to tell them apart and the bump <laughs> and then uh, chad is the clean cut one who's coming from la he's the fancy pretty boy Wears yeah, like the, wearing you know, pastels the khakis and, and pastels yeah. and shorts and whatever else and the black silk underwear <laughs> that they reference in the beginning. Right. So that's how you tell them apart. Um, if you're going by the tagline, one packs a punch, one packs a piece. But together they deliver. So that's also how you can tell them apart. One will pack a punch, the other will pack the piece and roll around like a doofus on the floor with two guns in his hand shooting at everybody hitting everything where the bad guys shoot back and don't even bother trying to point their guns down at the guy on the floor so i want to talk a little bit about a specific fight scene though so that at one point uh i'll say that the, the movie does a pretty good job of like not mixing up the characters for people who know that both of the twins exist Right, so once Danielle learns that, oh, Chad and Alex are both people in the world, she right. never gets them confused yeah. anymore. It's just that first scene. Frank, who's with Chad, you know, from life or whatever, always gets them, you know, whatever. And part of it is probably the dress and the cigar and whatever else. But, you know, they, they didn't, like, mix them up. They didn't make any comedy out of that. The only time it really does become an issue is, like, when the triad picks up Chad um, thinking that it's Alex to offer him, you know, a financial stake to just sort of like drop the whole situation, whatever they're doing. Mm -hmm. And, um, Chad doesn't speak, uh, I'm not sure what language they're speaking, honestly, Cantonese or Mandarin. I'm not sure which one they're, they're speaking. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, but he's listening to a foreign language and can't understand a word for the most part. Um, and then at some point, yeah, you know, because he, Alex he offers knows how to speak it. Yeah, Alex knows how to speak there. it, but Chad doesn't. Um, and then it gets to a point where he, they are saying in English, and, and Chad denies the offer. And then, Bobo, oh yeah, because he was just like "fuck you." That's all. Yeah. He, all he didn't even know what they were saying, but he's just like, "no, fuck you." <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Fuck you. I know this is wrong, and plus. I know that that's my dad's cigar box somehow that you have, and you're disrespecting my dad's lighter because you threw it on the ground. Um, anyway. Mm. Um, so he's like, fuck you, you killed my dad. I now have proof because I see the cigar box that I didn't know existed because I was a toddler at the time or a baby. Right. No, yeah, he was like a six-month. They don't yeah. know what's going on. Yeah. Anyway. 
Um, but Bolo is there. He's still alive. Moon Bolo is alive. He has a cloudy eye now and a big old scar on his cheek from where the bullet went through. So mm-hmm. it's cool to see him uh, still there. And he's fighting Chad for denying the offer and like beating him and like slamming him against like the shipping crate that they that they put him into and then punches him right in the nuts. Yeah, because payback. <laughs> Chad is doing his karate moves basically, yeah, and trying he does to. the the high kick to the face. Mm-hmm. But you know, Bolo or Moon punches him right in the nuts. Punches him right in the nuts to get revenge. Which is you the know Bloodsport scene. what happened to Bolo mm-hmm. in Bloodsport. So that was that was kind of cool that they made reference and Bolo got his revenge in that in that way. So I wanted to make quick mention of that because I just thought it was interesting. Plus, I like Bolo as a, as a action star, as a mm. character. And we get to see him again in the climactic ending, right? So uh, they go through some interesting scenes. Like, Spur Guy gets his little moment with, like, a weird little, like, um, interlude where... Uh, you have, like, blue light and mostly shadows. Like, so basically they're, like, in this yeah. shipping boat. Like, a large freight boat, whatever, that's supposed to be smuggling drugs to the U.S. or something like that. Um, and so there's no reason for that lighting and setup. It was basically, like, a stage dance where they have, like, a, you know, blue light and, like, shadows. And he's, like, doing his little spur dance. Mm-hmm. And then they make quick work of him. <laughs> um, and then Kara gets to... To fight Kara, the the Amazonian security person, gets to fight. I wish Danielle would have gotten like a couple smacks in too. That would have been cool if they would have yeah, found a way to get her involved in the fighting, but they didn't. She, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, she kind of just was there, or she would just step to the side. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I understand or fall it. She's, to the side. There was nothing about her character that indicated that she was more than an office worker and a girlfriend. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like. She was violated by Kara in an earlier scene where she was, like, frisked and whatever mm. in the office. And mm-hmm. so it would have been cool to see, like, a little bit of revenge happen. But for the most part, I think they were tied up in the boat and used as bait to bring the brothers in. Um, so Kara gets her fight scene. Moon gets a fight scene where he basically becomes, like, Donkey Kong throwing these barrels at... Um, who was it? I don't remember if it was Chad or Alex anymore. Alex, right? Yeah, Alex was chasing the head of the triad. At that same game, time? I think, yeah. And that's when they're at the top of that crane-looking thing, and he throws them down. Alex throws them down. Yeah, but that's that's after him. Moon gets killed. Mm-hmm. Because Moon is, like, in the sh- ship, and then the ship blows up, and they all... Everyone's well, yeah. All the thugs that are in the ship are. Chad killed. is like, keeps on kicking Moon closer and closer to this fuse box looking thing. Oh, that's right. That's how he dies. And yeah. Moon gets electrocuted. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Again, it's kind of like a video game encounter, right? Yeah. Like you, yeah. Have this, you have this electrical box, and you just need to like over the barrels. And Sean Clavey Dam should have done the splits over the barrels at least once. He should have. Yeah, or, yeah, to, like, split or down split, or yeah, split, split high. Go to the ground to like jump under split. one. <laughs> Something. Yeah, 
Because that's pretty much his signature thing, Jean-Claude, to do that side split thing. And the only time he did that was in the beginning when with he was chatting with the women in the class and he was just bouncing his nutsack on the <laughs> On <carpet>. the floor. <laughs> and, and, and the women like, are just, yeah, the women are like going nuts over that. Ooh, I can't imagine how this would work in real life. Um, <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so Bolo is like there throwing barrels and whatever and trying to get close to him. And then, yeah, in like a video game fashion, just like kicks him and punches him into this electric box and he gets electrocuted and they go on their several way. Um, so yeah, like, uh, Alex chases Zhang, the 60, 70 year old <laughs> in triad leader, right. onto this crane. So they're high up on this crane. Um, and, like, mutilates his hand in some gears after, like, some scuffle and then throws him off the crane. And then Griffith is there with uh, Danielle and Chad are both together for whatever reason. Yeah. Uh, they escape together. And then um, Danielle is able to, like, find, like, a crevice in between some shipping crates and, and be safe. And then uh, Griffith is in some sort of, like... Um, some sort of vehicle and he has like this big shipping container and it's as wide as the area that they're in. And so the only thing that, that Chad can do is move backwards or else he's going to be crushed by the shipping container or run over or whatever, but there's water behind him. And so he's backing up for like two minutes. Like, what should I do? What should I do? What should I do? And the whole time, even though what, uh, Danielle just, Steps to the side and found a little hole. Like, yeah, why couldn't he just hide with her in that hole? Evidently not enough room in that hole. Or, yeah. Um, but, like, dude, just jump in the water. Like, water's safe. I don't sure, know. I mean, unless and that guy, does. like, drives that vehicle into the water and the the vehicle can land Yeah, but you him. can, like, swim off to the side. Like, you, yeah, have, you have enough time to jump vehicle. in the water and swim off to one of the sides. Yeah, or out of danger. Or against the boat. He can be yeah, all the way up against it. Exactly. He had ways to know. be safe. But he eventually jumps in the water. Griffith gets confused or thinks that he's won. And so he gets out and, like, tries to shoot into the water. Be like, haha, I got you now. And he starts shooting his gun. Uh, nobody pops up. And so he assumes he's won. And then all of a sudden, Chad is in that vehicle. Like, how did he get around? And he's then he's able to get dry. around. And he's dry and he's driving the vehicle and he drops the shipping container on Griffith. Unless he jumped head. and <laughs> hung on to the side for a second, jumped back to the in the vehicle. Who knows? Don't question it. Don't question it. Uh, meanwhile, I don't know what was going on with Frank. Honestly, I don't remember what Frank was up to during this time. He was tied up with Danielle in the shipping. He boat, was, yeah, because they captured him. And yeah, or where he, he was, goes after he gets. I think caught. he was just tied up, but I can't remember. But the ship like explodes or something, right? So he had to have gotten out, but I just don't remember anymore. Mm-hmm. Not too important. <laughs> I mean, the dude didn't even tell Chad that he had a brother or you know this business interest. So yeah, anyway. he. he Chad's just thinking he's coming to Hong Kong for like yeah, a cool trip. Yeah, for a vacation. Trip. It's like a business trip of some kind, but he doesn't know what kind of business Not to trip. Get his ass kicked. And yeah. <laughs> and like now die. Chad is like a literal murderer now. Right. And he's totally okay with it. He's well, like, oh, he's Hong helping Kong's his fun. brother in, a, in avenging his parents' death. Yeah. Like, he learns all this within a week or something. <laughs> and then next week he's just going to go back to smashing his nuts on the floor. 
in L.A. in front of women. <laughs> yeah. As one does in L.A., I guess. Um, so that's how the movie ends. <laughs> His bad guys well, are no, dead. It, it ends with, like, uh, Chad and Alex are back together, and they're now, you know, reconciled in a way. Yeah. And then Chad or Alex says something, and then at the end credits, it's like gunshots... It's a freeze frame. It's a freeze frame, and then then it's like a machine. Yeah, a machine gun fires, and then that song comes on. (laughs) Feel the impact. Feel the impact starts the end credit song, which should have taken the nation by storm. Uh, Done by Jen or Gen? G E N. G E N. So feel the impact. Uh, It's a very good. (laughs) I don't think there's an official action song. I don't think there's like an official video for yeah, it, which but uh, sucks. we'll we'll have the song on our uh, website. Yeah, so listen to it because it is actually fun. It's fun because it was in my head for several hours or yeah. days. <laughs> terrible, terrible rap lyrics. Sorry, Jen. Again, uh, but very catchy hook. So, and that's the way it ends. Um, and I think you know, honestly. That song, Feel the Impact, is like, you know, really cheesy, but still fun and catchy, kind of embodies the movie in general. Yeah, like, you know, yeah. it, it, that's the spirit of the movie. So, um, anything else we missed in terms of the plot that you wanted to talk about? Not really plot-wise. I just have a couple of tidbits Besides <laughs> that sex scene. Okay. The movie is based off, well, lo- very extremely loosely, <laughs> mm-hmm. based off a book called The Corsican Brothers, ri- written by Alexander Dumas, or Dumas. Dumas? I don't know. We could ask Van Damme. Sure. He's from, he's from Belgium. You Which, you know, Alexander Dumas has written, you know, Three Musketeers, Count of Monte Cristo. And um, it's a story about two brothers who are separated at birth, but literally separated because they were conjoined twins. Mm, Okay. And, you know, growing up, they just have these uh, feel, they feel each other during distress. That's pretty much what this story is about. Like, they can feel each other's presence, even though they never knew that. So sort of they like had a brother G.I. Joe villain that's twins yeah. who can feel the other one's pain. Yes, yes. Okay. I even looked that up, and it's called, like, Cors- Corsicanian, I okay. think that's... Okay, so they named the syndrome after the book? After this book. Okay. I think that's what I'm trying... I think that's... I hope I'm saying it correct. But they were going to name this movie The Corsican Brothers, which I thought was weird because it has nothing to do... It's basically two brothers separated, but they weren't yeah. conjoined. Yeah. They were just and is taken the book, away from each other Was the book babies. about revenge on anybody that you could tell? Or did you get no. that No. So I think that's, that's why, why I, was I was just very confused why... They would name this the Corsican Brothers. Yeah. And there are iterations of that book that it was like, because um, this book is from the 1800s. So I saw that they made plays. There are so many different iterations oh, sure. of this from the early 1900s, like 1930s and 40s and 50s. Yeah. That makes and I sense. think they even made like a TV movie in the 40s or 50s about 
the Corsican brothers. Well, if any of them star Bolo Young, then I'm in. Okay, sure. <laughs> Would he be the person that cuts them in half? <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> and then they come after him. Um, another thing is that, well, I have two things, I guess. Van Damme was inspired to play this dual role by watching Jeremy Irons and his Jeremy Irons portrayal <laughs> mm-hmm. of the twins in Dead Ringers. Uh-huh. <laughs> Which we've also seen relatively recently. Right, which that that is also based off a book. And I think it's just called Twins. But, I mean, that is more... I would actually call that the Corsican Brothers over yeah. this one. Because that one I think, um, is more interesting to me than yeah. this. Jeremy Irons' roles in those movies are much more pronounced and different. And, like, even though there's no, like, physical real way to tell them apart, you could just tell from Irons' acting who was who most yeah. of the time. Yeah, because it is kind of hard, and it is the two brothers. I mean, I don't know why yeah. we're going to get into this. It's just the two <laughs> brothers, you know. They're both dating a woman, and she thinks she's dating one man. Right. Yeah. Uh, but but then she, you know, Van she Damme <laughs> does not adopt different mannerisms in the same way for his dual It's Jeremy it's basically just, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's basically just, here's a cigar in my mouth, and I'm going to... Not smile right. As yeah. Much. Let me slick slick my hair back in this let me part. Scowl and a then, tiny bit. Mm-hmm. Another tidbit was that Van Damme and Ledich were discussing a potential sequel for many years, and while Van Damme was promoting Expendables two in 2012, he confirmed that there would be a sequel in the works. But that same year, Ledich was like. Nixing the yeah, pretty much nixing the idea. He said that you know the envision that Van Damme wanted was just too ambitious and would have been too expensive to produce. Yeah. So there's you know a lot of logistical problems and blah 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 getting rights and ownership. So so that's it. (laughs) Would would it have been double impact? Two or quadruple Square? quadruple impact <laughs> double impacts i i like quadruple impact uh, where quadruple impact. my idea is that the brothers they have twins themselves so mm. it is quadruple impact so and i don't know four, how four they babies yes you have four kids I don't know, in some sort of revenge. <laughs> yeah. Maybe Bolo Young comes back yes. to life or something. He didn't yeah. really die. He didn't die. You didn't see him physically die. You just saw him get shocked. So then you bit. have four kids coming and going back to Hong Kong. If he can survive a shot to the face, he can survive electricity. Mm-hmm. Um, what if it becomes like just total off the wall stuff and they just go to like a different dimension? And so. It's four brothers and, like, alternate universe type stuff. That's too much going on. Bring it. I don't <laughs> Never know. too much. That's the Fast and Furious level yeah. <laughs> type That's of crazy. That's going to be, like, Fast 10. Mm-hmm. Well, we can talk a little bit about the cast and crew. We already talked about Jean-Claude Van Damme a bunch. I don't know if there's much else to really say other than uh, this is not his first writing effort. This is not the first screenplay that he's credited for. He also did a screenplay for Lionheart which Sheldon Lettish also wrote and direct, di- yeah, wrote and directed with him. So mm-hmm. they're pairing together. Uh, Sheldon Lettish also wrote Bloodsport, 
along with Rambo 3, so he's very much an action type of a guy. and They work well together, him and Van Damme. Uh, Alona Shaw, we talked about. She really didn't do anything else after this, or really before. Uh, a couple episodes of Miami Vice, but it seemed like she just had a very brief flirtation with acting and maybe decided it just wasn't what she wanted to do with her life. I don't know, but uh, very little screen credits for her. Jeffrey Lewis, who plays Frank, who, I don't know, I don't know if you really need, I don't know. <laughs> he has such a weird place in the movie. I don't know. He's just like, whatever. <laughs> I don't, I don't oh, know how to describe his there. character. He's, he, he's of, like, well, he he's became there. the guardian for Chad, and that's pretty much it. Yeah, he's there, and he's necessary for plot stuff. I kind of wish he would have gotten involved in the action a little Because he too. was their bodyguard. Well, how come yeah. he didn't do any of the fighting, really? He didn't do much. He helped set like a couple old of now explosives or? <laughs> or something. Yeah, I mean, he, he's as old as Zhang and Griffith, and they went down easy. Um, but anyway, Frank is played by a guy named Jeffrey Lewis who was nominated for a Golden Globe in 1981 for the TV series Flow. Um, he's also been in a whole bunch of other stuff. He's just been a, a character actor in a ton and ton of stuff. Probably most recently, um, notable-wise, would be a Devil's Re- He was in The Devil's Rejects. Okay. Um, he's also been in stuff like Maverick. Um, and one of my favorite credits is that he's in two episodes of a, a PBS show called Square One TV. Mm-hmm. which was, like, um, basically just, like, a math educational thing for, like, preteens mm-hmm, at the yeah. time. So, they, you know, just fun little, like, segments and quirky stuff. And so he was on a thing called MathNet, which was, like, a dragnet parody where people would solve crimes using math and, like, catch the bad guys mm-hmm. by solving these math problems. So, I don't know. I loved watching that show. So, it's like, oh, Squirrel on TV. Like Carmen Sandiego-ish. Yeah, yeah. It's, or, like, sort of, like, um... Uh, you know, I didn't watch a whole lot of Electric Company, but I imagine it'd be something yeah. like that. Yeah, but like all math focused. But yeah, just like little tiny segments, and then like the the math net part was probably like half of the episode. Anyway, he's also the father of ten children, and I mentioned that because one of those children is Juliette Lewis, who has been on this. Who has been in our Who has podcast. been in the podcast movie. <laughs> she has not been on the podcast, but she has been on a movie she, that we featured we on the podcast. We have talked about her, okay, so we're bringing it back. Yeah, so now we have our first father-daughter combo mm-hmm. on here. Karina Everson played Kara, the, the, the Griffiths thug woman there. Uh, she was a big-time bodybuilder. Uh, six-time Miss Olympia. She retired from that competition undefeated. She won all six competitions that she uh, participated in um, and did not have much of a movie and TV career after this either. She was in a few minor things. She was also one of the leads in the 1995 movie called Ballistic, but I think she should have been in more action stuff. I don't know if she yeah, I mean, I liked wanted her to or not. a strong woman. Yeah, she was like a really interesting screen presence. And I think, she, you know, obviously she had the physique for it, and she could have been, like, the the fun baddie and tough. Like, you know, she could have been, like, one of those people in, like, Mortal Kombat or something, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, but, you know, just didn't happen for one reason or another. Uh, Philip Chan played Raymond Zhang. I mentioned him because he was also in Bloodsport. He was also a actual police officer in Hong Kong before he became a movie star where he played police officers and things like Supercop and Hardboiled and Bloodsport. Um, 
And also he was in a movie called Twin Dragons, which apparently was sort of inspired by Double Impact. Okay. Uh, it's a Jackie Chan movie where Jackie Chan plays two twin brothers. Right. And does a whole bunch of action stuff. And so uh, there's a chance that play? that was inspired by Double Impact or is a parody of it. Um, uh-huh. so. Does he play, you know, a mob boss? Or <laughs> you know, it's been a long time since I've seen it, but yeah, I think the, the general idea is that one of his characters is is more bad and one of them is... Is not, or are you uh, talking about Raymond Zhang? Yeah, I don't. I think I was, don't remember. Was he the the mob boss in that one as well? Yeah, or? I don't remember anymore. Oh, okay. But I do have the VHS if you ever want to watch it. Um, I thought Twin Dragons came first, and the Double Impact was just ripping off of that. But nope, other way around. A couple more, real quick. Bolo Young Moon got his start primarily, or like his big break was Enter the Dragon in 1973, where he played a character named Bolo. Uh, his real name is not Bolo Young, by the way. I didn't write down his real name. I don't remember it off the top of my head. But his real name is not Bolo Young. He played Bolo in Entered the Dragon. His real name is Yang Shei. There you go. Um, and then he also went on to play Bolo in a 1977 movie called Bolo. So I think after those two roles, the name just kind of stuck with him. Uh, obviously, he was in Bloodsport, and he's also in another 1991 movie that will come at some point in the future called Fearless Tiger. So we will see him again. Uh, And then lastly, our pausing on the credits for this episode is uh, the student in that first scene. The one that's being stretched, I guess. I I believe so. (laughs) I'm not 100% sure because she's just credited as student. Uh, But that was Julie Strain in one of her first early, earliest movies. Um, Julie Strain is best known for being basically like, uh, dubbed the queen of B movies. So she was in like a lot of like Bear Wench project movies from like the late 2000s. She was in Heavy Metal 2000. Mm-hmm. She was in a couple of the Andy Sedaris exploitation, grindhouse type things like Fit to Kill and Dallas Connection. Um, she'll be in a couple other 1991 movies as well in small roles, uh, as well. So it was interesting to see that was like one of her very first screen credits was this movie. Um, Unfortunately, Julie Strain, I learned through doing my research, recently passed away in January 2021. Uh, Apparently she had some sort of a horse riding accident back in 2018. Okay. And had suffered uh, dementia and memory loss Mm. issues and just never fully mentally recovered and, and uh, just recently just a couple months back she passed from complications related to dementia wow. so very sad ending to someone who meant a lot to the kids of that era <laughs> not the b-movie world yeah to the b-movie world so that's that's the the sad pausing on the credits this time around i think yeah. we've had two tragic ends We'll move on to happier topics real quick and talk about awards. Oh, okay. (laughs) If you want to real quick here. Um, I was like, oh, something was awarded for this movie. Yeah, so no Golden Globes, of course. Right. No Academy Awards, but our good old friends of the MTV Movie Awards. Jean-Claude Van Damme didn't get recognized for that dual role or anything? He did not get recognized as dual role. He did not get best actor or best supporting actor or both. What if... (laughs) I wonder... Um, I mean... 
No, I'm thinking, like, do they? would they do that? I, I don't Have know how they? they categorize things fully. I don't think the Academy even fully understands how they categorize things. Right, because, I mean, we recently just saw, I mean, this for the recent Academy Awards. Yeah, for, like uh, Judas and the Black Messiah and the war nominations and how those were handled. Right. It was kind of weird. Um, anyway. So, yeah, anyway, nothing like that. MTV Movie Awards only nominated for one thing, Jean-Claude Van Damme for Most Desirable Male. So not Best Male Performance. He's just a desirable... Just Most Desirable Male. So, man. Yeah, like Sexiest Man movie. Alive but type of award. In a movie. For, for movies. For he did not win. For MTV people. Yeah, for <laughs> he MTV didn't, crowd. He did yeah. not win. Not enough nut bounces on the carpet, I guess. They only showed the one. (laughs) Yeah, they needed a a couple more taps. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Instead, uh, Keanu Reeves got the honor for Point Break. All right, that makes sense. But he was, uh, Jean-Claude was nominated a couple years beyond this for Most most Desirable Male and other future years, but... Not for acting, it's always Desirable Male. (laughs) I think so, yeah, it was just, I mean... Would it? Would you expect it to? I'm be just fracked? kidding. You don't know. <laughs> so yeah, that's the award. So how about other pop culture fun stuff? So this movie was released one week after Doc Hollywood. Yeah, Doc which Hollywood we just a couple, a couple weeks ago. Back. Yeah, Doc Hollywood was August second. This is August 9th. So a lot of the stuff that I was looking up was really similar of what happened during the week that Doc Hollywood was out. Like, the top song is still Everything I Do, I yeah, Do It For I You. I Do It For You, yep. And even the T- I looked up the TGIF lineup, and it's pretty much the same as it was for Doc Hollywood. And I was thinking, okay, I'll look up for something that was on Saturday. I was going to look up SNL stuff, but SNL isn't out until, or the seasons don't really start until September. Mm -hmm. So I decided to look into Saturday morning cartoons. Okay. And I have the lineup from 8 to 1 p.m. for ABC, NBC, CBS, and Fox. Okay. So I'll start with ABC Uh (laughs) at 8 a.m., was Winnie the Pooh. Uh, 8.30, The Wizard of Oz okay. cartoon, yeah, I which I that, vaguely remember. Yeah, I kind of forgot that they did a cartoon of that. Right. So they're gearing, they're gearing young child with these two. Right. This is early morning, so, I yeah. mean, the kids are waking up, maybe. Yes. <laughs> I, I don't know. So from 9 to 10 a.m. is Slimer and the Real Ghostbusters. It was in a full so I'm not sure if that was just like two half hour episodes or yeah, I don't like a full hour. I don't. I don't fully know. I think it probably would have been either two half hour episodes or I I could be wrong, but I think maybe Slimer had like his own cartoon stuff where like he had mm-hmm. adventures without yeah, the yeah, Ghostbusters yeah. and then and the then there would be one with the Ghostbusters. With Slimer. Yeah, so it's one of those two things. Maybe they mixed and matched depending on the week. Okay. From 10 to 10.30 was Beetlejuice, which I really love this cartoon. And yeah. And I used to watch that a lot. And then One thing that really stood out it. about the Beetlejuice cartoon was that they had, like, these weird, like, computer graphic segments. 
Remember, like, yeah. they would do, like, those, like, fake commercials when they went into oh, the Oh, yeah, the when they went to the other world. Yeah. yeah, and they did, like, all kinds of, like, weird CG stuff, and that was pretty unique for the time. Yeah. I really like that cartoon. From 10.30-11 was a pupped a pup named Scooby-Doo. So yeah. this is Scooby-Doo is a baby. Yeah. <laughs> which Off I didn't really like, care yeah, for. babies for Scooby. Scooby. Yeah. yeah. From 11 to noon was the Bugs Bunny and Tweety show, which, fine. I would have watched that, yeah. I'm sure. Especially since it's later in the morning. There's right. probably less competition. And at noon was Little Rosie. <laughs> <laughs> Which, I mean, okay, which, if people don't know, it's Rosie O'Donnell, but it's when she's younger, but it's Rosie O'Donnell's voice as yeah. her younger self. I don't know. I don't remember the plot. I don't know what she did. No. I, the, uh, I don't even know if I really watched it. Yeah, I kind of forgot that cartoon existed. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I think, like, Little Louie was... A more popular one that people probably yeah, know. Like yeah. Louis Anderson had that cartoon on Fox that ran for several years, and it was just him doing his normal voice, but he was a kid having adventures. I think it was the exact same. Yeah, yeah. Concept. I think that was a thing back then. Yeah, the comedians just you know, it let's must have been show my younger self or something. Degree, <laughs> cartoon. Right? Um, and, yeah. So I didn't watch that. After that, 12.30 to 1, I was definitely watching. It was New Kids on the Block. Okay. <laughs> I kind of forgot they had their own cartoon. Oh, I, I remember it. <laughs> <laughs> um, moving on to NBC. So at 8 a.m. was Camp Candy, which okay. I liked. That. Yeah. That was a good... That's another, you know, comedian. But he wasn't playing he was, yeah, a younger... He was, he was just... Yeah. He's just playing a counselor at a... Yeah. Camp. <laughs> From 8.30 to 9.30 was Captain N and the Adventures of Super Mario Brothers. All right. Which I would have been watching if I were awake because mm-hmm. I loved, like, the Nintendo stuff. And those cartoons were not that bad. They were, like, obviously, like, the Nintendo characters they used in there were not true to their yeah, counterparts. Like, game. Mega Man was green and he talked like an idiot <laughs> but it's still fun to see like them in video game situations so yeah i mean kids are watching that because they're like oh it's the mario brothers yeah so from nine thirty to 10 was rick moranis and gravedale high which another comedian well actor yeah. i guess just yeah. but he's in a high school setting he's in a ctv okay yeah, yeah um yeah, no, I, that was a cartoon that I wanted to watch more, but probably I just didn't either wake up or there was, like, other things that were more important on other channels or something. Mm-hmm. From 10 to 10.30 was the Kid and Play cartoon. Okay. Which I, I remember, but I don't know if I really watched it. No, I don't think I did too much either. It was on at the same time as Beetlejuice, so I was probably not if Beetlejuice was on. So from 10.30, was the Chipmunks Go to the Movies, mm. which I sort of remember this. It's mm-hmm. just them redoing movies. Yeah, movie parodies and just yeah. random soundtrack songs. Yeah. Yeah. From 11 to noon was Saved by the Bell, which probably was watching. Yeah, appointment viewing. Even if it's a movie, <laughs> you pretty much have to watch it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and then after that. From noon to one was just Saturday morning videos, so it was just showing music videos videos? for about an hour. I don't know. I wonder if that's regional or something. Like, maybe 
Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if my local station covered that. They probably just switched to paid programming, you know. Or, yeah, whatever was local. Who knows? Mm -hmm. So moving on to CBS, from 8 to 9 was Muppet Babies. That's that that's that's my thing. <laughs> I'm, I'm, You're like that, I'm that that all about the Muppet Babies. Uh huh. I had a blanket for Muppet Babies that I kept on my bed for way too long past my years. Huge Muppet Babies fan. Okay. After that, for a full hour, nine to ten was Garfield and Friends. Also, very much my thing. <laughs> <laughs> you were watching CBS for like all two the, hours straight. <laughs> I had all the comic least. strip books. I had like all kinds mm-hmm. of Garfield paraphernalia all over my room. I had the Garfield phone and everything. Yes, my room was full of like Bugs Bunny and Garfield, Muppet and then, Babies, and then the Muppet Babies blanket. Yep. Okay, and then from ten to eleven, which. This is probably, CBS is probably your channel, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yep, So not changing the channel. Three full hours, Sorry, not Rick moving. Sorry, <laughs> This is yes. why your show failed. <laughs> right. Sorry, you couldn't play. We weren't watching because yeah. My teenage... closet had the tub full of turtles toys. <laughs> <laughs> After that, 11 to 11.30 was Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventures. I probably would have changed the channel at that point. To Save by, like, by the Bell was on it. Oh, was it against Save by the, the Bell? Bell? Yeah, it was then against yeah, it. Yeah, I'm changing the channel to Save by the Bell. Because, I mean, that <laughs> cartoon wasn't that good to begin with. E- the movies are yeah, fun. Well, I you know. don't really remember. the. I remember the cartoon, but I don't really remember, like, their, the plot. Like, what they would get into each yeah, episode. I don't fully remember either, but I just remember it being blah. The Back to the Future cartoon that came later was a better time travel cartoon. Right, and then after that, from 11.30 to noon, was The Adventures of Raggedy Ann and Andy. No way. <laughs> <laughs> like, who was watching that? I don't even remember that. I think nope. it it peaked from 8 to 11, and then it goes uh-huh. downhill. Yeah. After that, from 12 to 12.30, was Dink the Little Dinosaur, which I... I don't, don't know even. It. I don't know it. I know Denver the Last Dinosaur. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Dink. Dink. <laughs> and then twelve thirty to one was just a CBS story break, so okay. that was kind of like a reading rainbowish type of thing, or it was, like, it was just like no, a was like they would have a both animated like children's books. Yeah, yeah. Basically, it's like bunic like bunicula or like um, I can't remember the name of it. Still, like the, the like how to eat a canned worms okay yeah yeah they would do like a an animated version of those books they would show all right moving on to fox from 8 to 8 30 is peter pan and the pirates Mm -mm. Uh. no 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 i'm gonna wake you up for peter pan and the pirates or I will tape them up with babies. I'm not waking up for anything. <laughs> <laughs> After that, though, from 8.30 to 9 was Bobby's World, which I like Bobby's World. I like Bobby's World, too. I just rarely got to see it. Because yeah, it was up against other stuff that was better. And then even, like, on the weekday reruns, I was not home from school. I was still on the bus when it was on mm, yeah. Fox on the weekdays. So I just never got to really see it. And I was a he- I-, I loved Howie Mandel as a kid, too. Yeah, it's another comedian cartoon. Yeah. I actually got to see him in concert back in the day when I was a young kid. What did he do? Back when he was just doing his like normal stand-up stuff. Oh, okay. That was back like when he was still um, 
like he would close his show by doing like a Bobby segment, you know, like a, uh, the, the, like a the bit voice as Bobby. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, he was doing like, you know, putting the rubber gloves yeah, on his head that. thing. Like that, that era. That's when I got to see him. Mm, that's cool. Yeah. Did he talk about his uh, germ, germophobia or no. whatever? <laughs> <laughs> I think that was before that became known. <laughs> He's a germaphobe. Yeah. I remember there was like some folk artist that was opening for him. So it wasn't a comedian. It was like a musician. And I think her name was Susie Q. And, like, people were, like, basically booing her. Aw, You know, like, like, bring on Howie. And, like, I just, I felt bad for, for Susie Q for getting shat yeah. on for trying to do her job. Right. So from 9 to 10 on Fox was Tom and Jerry Kids. So this is when they were... Pup named Scooby-Doo. Yes. Jerry and Tom. They were younger kids. kids which <laughs> Jerry and Tom. Trying, trying to be, like, a... Trying to be like a Muppet Babies, but not. Yeah. Nothing can be Muppet Babies. Not even the new Muppet Babies can be Muppet Babies. All right? (laughs) So from 10 to 10.30 is this cartoon called Pittsburgh Pigs. I don't know anything about that. I had to look this up. (laughs) Because it's Uh, basically pigs living in the city. mm Mm-hmm. And their neighbors around the corner are just big, bad wolves. Okay. That sounds terrible. I know. Like, just give me more U.S. acres. And I think they're named (laughs) Huff and Puff, the two wolves. (laughs) As I was reading this, I was like, uh, no wonder no one watched this. I don't know. Like, garbage kids cartoons got better in later in the 90s, I think. Like stuff this like is just, I don't know. I mean, this is up against, like, else. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Beetlejuice. No one's watching Pits, Pigs, no. Pigsburg Pigs. No. And it's Pigsburg? Yeah, Pigsburg, like Pittsburgh. So not Pittsburgh, but Pigsburg Yeah. I may have said Pittsburgh in the beginning, but it's Pigsburg Pigs. So 10.30-11 on Fox is Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. We're just getting, we're going downhill. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that one was, I mean, I watched a little bit of that, but not much because there was just better stuff on. Right. The the one thing I do remember about that cartoon was that they had an episode where the bad guys won Mm. at the end. And then, like, they basically, like, looked at the camera and were like, what, you expected the good guys to win this time or something like that? Mm, Like, they made reference to it. I was like, oh, that's... That would have been cool if that was, like, the very last episode. Yeah. The bad guys won. It might have been. And that was it. They didn't even have anything after 11 a.m. Just infomercials about how to get the scratches out of your car. Right. Or did they have, you know, ShamWow and stuff like that by then? (laughs) No, I mean, there was 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 definitely an infomercial in the 90s about getting scratches out of your car. Mm -hmm. The last half hour that I saw multiple times because I loved infomercials, too, as a kid. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it did say, I mean, that they had local programming after that, so it, maybe it was just a full two hours of... Yeah, it could have been just yeah, pure the, infomercials yeah, and, like, infomercials the and selling some random dehydrator and stuff right, like that. A knife that can cut through, like, a penny or yeah. whatever. <laughs> the great-looking hairspray. Do you remember that one? Yeah, the yeah. one that sprays the hair on Yeah, the spray head? on hair. Did they have, like, the Floby at that time? I'm trying I, to think I'm about not, Yeah, I, I'm not sure if that was 91 or later, so we'll have to look that up for a future episode, maybe. <laughs> Find out what Just infomercials look up were infomercials? on in yeah. Yeah. yeah, okay, I'll look that up, see what type of info, infomercials were on during yeah. that year. Okay, so yeah, music-wise, 
I already talked about they're the same. Mm-hmm. But we got to feel the impact from this movie. So yes, they're forgiving. the same as it was for Doc Hollywood. But I did look up for releases, and August 12th, 1991, which is a couple days later after this movie was released, Metallica releases their most successful album, quote Metallica, but it's known as the Black Album. And I have that tape. And that's so. the one with, what, Enter the Sandman? Yeah, that's... Or Enter Sandman? Yes. And what else? Because I'm not, I'm not a huge Metallica person. What a surprise, basically. Uh, I mean, it's got Unforgiven, Nothing Else Matters, Wherever I May Roam, okay. Sad True. I mean, all those are, you know, the, the ones that Most of the made classics. them Metallica. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I guess. I mean, this was, I think, their second or third album. I'm not, like, a huge Metallica fan either. I really like this album, but I think this is their second or third album at this point. But this is what got them into the mainstream. Well, I'll just go download it on Napster and I'll find out for myself. I have it on tape. (laughs) (laughs) You can listen to the tape. Rankings and ratings time. All right, so on your one to five star scale, where would you put double impact? I am going to give this a two. Two. That's kind of, I mean, I didn't hate it, but I didn't really like it. I mean, the... The fighting's good. It's fine. The yeah. action's fine. It's yeah. a fine movie, I guess. <laughs> it's, fun. it's an okay action movie. It impacted me. Yes. <laughs> it's a good movie for 1991 action movies, I guess. Yeah. Uh, on my zero to four star scale with the half stars included, I'm going to say it's a two and a half. So slightly better than double impact. <laughs> so two and a half impacts. Okay. Right. So, um, but every movie is worth watching once, right? But would you watch Double Impact again? I would watch this again if it was with a group or if we had, you know, another Netflix party type of deal just to, you know, make fun of things. Yeah. With other people. Yeah, there's a there's quite a bit you can make fun of with your friends in this one, which would be fun. Um, this is the type of movie that I would probably put on in the background. Like, if I'm working on stuff, you know, and I don't really want to pay close attention to anything, you just have noises and action and stuff in the background while you're yeah. doing chores or whatever, that's that's what this movie is for me. Okay. So. Uh, but if you out there want to watch Double Impact, as of this recording in March 2021, it's available on Prime, Hoopla, Digital Rental, VHS, DVD, as always, check your local listings. As for us, you can listen to us on all the major platforms of podcasting. Uh, please be sure to rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends. And you can also email us at 1991moviewrewind at gmail.com. Of course, you can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Letterboxd. Just search 1991moviewrewind or go to 1991moviewrewind.com for the full list of 800-plus movies along with show notes and more. Next week, we're going to switch gears again, and we're going to go down to Regarding Henry. That's a big switch. That's a big, big shift in gear, uh-huh. in tone. Uh, that's available on Prime, Fubo TV, Epics, Digital Rental, VHS, and DVD. We'll see you then. Thanks. Thanks.